This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Bob Ryan, Pablo Torre, Justin Tinsley, Mina Kimes. Game three, how the Celtics respond to the run the Warriors put on them in game two, which is how the Warriors respond to the run the Celtics put on them in game one. It's a re-rerun. What's happening? Hey, hey, hey. And the basketball power index still has the Celtics. Let's go. Out of control. Out of control. Last time someone made a rerun reference. Your people, Tony. (laughs) Force meets force. That's how Draymond Green describes his particular set of skills and what this series is. Tonight, game three, the runs. Jason Tatum after his minus 36. And whether... Draymond can conduct himself in a way that allows him to stay for the entire affair. You know, Bob Ryan, what I like about this series? The momentum. That's what I like about this. <laughs> I kid! I look at his face right now. Mr. Ryan, Hall of Famer, veteran of 50-plus NBA Finals. What's the one thing that determines tonight's Game 3? The thing that has been the barometer for the Boston Celtics has been turnovers. Uh, They survived a terrible turnover game in game one with that phenomenal fourth quarter. They did not survive a ridiculously awful, sloppy, careless turnover fest in game two, giving up 33 points on turnovers. Now, to be fair, the Warriors are a good defensive team and they cause turnovers, yes, but the Celtics or more complicit with their sloppiness, bad passing. And also, someone had better tell Jalen Brown to stop dribbling into traffic because when he does, the odds are he will not emerge with the basketball. He is not Steph Curry with the handle. And, and that's been another problem. But they have to cut down the turnovers. If they do, they'll be in good shape. Pablo Torre, the number one thing that decides game three tonight. Yeah, I'm going to take the open layup here and say Steph Curry, the name Bob Ryan just referenced, because, Tony, there is a chess match going on in terms of what the hell you do when you're asked to guard a guy who is unlike anyone else you've ever seen in NBA history. In game one, you'll recall the Celtics tried like a drop defense, which was disastrous and then pivoted by the second half. In game two, they said, we're going to not give him any daylight whenever possible, right? You often saw four guys around him at all times. You saw Steve Kerr in response. His response in the chess game was to throw oftentimes like double screens 30 feet away from the basket, which just lets Steph like step to the side and launch a 31-footer, basically. And so what do you do now? Because the gravity of Steph, Tony, when he is doing all of that, Kevon Looney, a guy like that, can go six for six from the floor because he's getting open shots. The gravity of Steph... Do you try to play off of him now? Do you go Goldilocks a little bit in the middle somewhere? That's the job that the Celtics have, and I don't envy that at all. Justin Tinsley, bring you in here on the one thing that decides tonight. For me, it's the energy for Boston, in particular in that third quarter. Mm. We, we've known for the entirety of the, this Golden State dynasty that the third quarter is their sweet spot, but it's a death trap for other teams. We saw that happen to Boston in game two. They had more turnovers in, in, in the third quarter than actual field goals. They cannot be lethargic like that going <laughs> into game three. Over the course of the postseason, they're negative 37 in the third quarter, and they're plus 58 
in, in the fourth quarter. What so the third think quarter. that could, is, Justin? It would seem like, you know, you could say, hey, guys, maybe play better in the third quarter, and that might cover that, you know? I mean, I don't understand. <laughs> you, you, you would think, but for whatever reason, they, they don't come out of halftime with that energy, and they need that. And another thing that, that is important for Boston is Jason Tatum putting together a complete offensive game. He has to do this. He played better in the first half of game two, but when he gets Curry on him on defense, he has to make Curry work. And sometimes that's the best defense that you can play on Curry is making him, uh, making him work on the defensive end. And Mina Khan. Well, I think Boston's best chance of surviving one of those legendary Warriors third quarters is simply to build a lead in in the first half because otherwise they don't really have a shot. And for me, a lot of that comes down to Jason Tatum and his shot selection. Speaking of shots, um, you know, he scored more than twice as many points in game two than he did in game one, but he was arguably less effective and certainly less efficient despite making a ton of threes. He went two for 10 inside the arc. And through the first two games of the finals, he now has the worst two-point percentage ever. He's got to stop forcing it in order for Boston to win. Fortunately, he does have a history of posting sensational games after losses. Okay, so turnovers, Steph Curry, orange slices at halftime, and then Jason Tatum says (laughs) Mina Kimes. Nobody brought up Draymond Green, though, Bob Bryan, and uh, towing the line, habitual line stepper, stepping over the line. And now playing on the road, and Boston fans have been feisty all postseason. What to expect tonight there with Draymond? Draymond was wise enough to know in game one that uh, when he pushed his envelope and he actually pushed it off the table, he wasn't held accountable for that second technical because he knows that referees are reluctant to throw out key players in the playoffs. He would have been thrown out of that game in, in January, positively. No question. But he survived. All right, now he's on the road in Boston. He will play his aggressive style of play, but I think he's going to have to tone it down a little uh, in terms of the crazy stuff. And Scott Foster is going to be here refereeing tonight. He clearly has been brought in to be the sheriff in town and, and to keep things in order. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I mean it. And, and so... Uh, but Draymond, he, he always knows that just how far to go. Does he? I, I do remember him missing and being suspended for a pretty important NBA Finals game in an important series. Pablo Torre, last word. Yeah, I was going to say, I agree with Sheriff Extendo coming in, being a real factor <laughs> here. But I also think that Draymond Green may know things. Whether he acts on those things, I don't think we have a history of moderation when it comes Make to Make a him pick for, for tonight, and Justin for Tinsley. Who you got? Golden State. Mina Kimes. I got the Celtics. Bob Ryan. Celtics. Pablo Torre. At home, the Celtics tonight. We move on to the latest news in Deshaun Watson. Jenny Brentis, New York Times, reported that it was 66 massage therapists over the year and a half that Watson sought. Some through the team, vast majority away from the team. Details of Watson exposing himself to some. And then to some sexual ineation on Watson's part. And one detail, Watson begging for oral sex. And for multiple instances, ejaculation. A massage therapist saying she did not feel she could say no to Watson. And details of an NDA. Watson explaining in text messages to potential therapists he could have them sign it. He said in testimony the NDA was given to him by the Houston Texans head of security left in his locker. Watson, through it all, has denied wrongdoing. In exchanges detailed in this Brentis piece, he's emphasized desire to support black businesses 
in explanation for the many different therapists he sought. And yesterday, posted lyrics to the song Rich in Pain, which includes blogs can't break me down and talk about rumors and talk about deny. Mina, how do you consider it all? And then how do you think the NFL considers punishment here is its ongoing investigation for the league. And how do you think the Browns recently guaranteeing his contract consider all this? Well, first, I'll say I consider this to be a major, major story. You laid out a lot of the important developments in Jenny Vrentis' tremendous reporting, but I'll add another one. At this point, she has now spoken with multiple women who shared similar stories of these awful encounters with Deshaun Watson and did not sue. That is important because, as you know, so often with stories like this, people's first instinct is to question the motives of accusers, to bend over backwards trying to justify unjustifiable behavior, to hatch galaxy brain conspiracy theories instead of simply reading an article, and then ultimately to willfully forget. Tony, that is, of course, what the Browns bet on when they gave Deshaun Watson $230 million that not just their fans, but the media, the NFL, people in, around, in and around this league, that we would all move on and forget. But they failed to account for something, or someone in this case, which is that Jenny Vrentas would do what they refused to do, what they lied about doing, which is actually investigate Watson's claims. And as a result, I think the NFL has to go harder on their suspension, and I think the Browns will face the consequences of their arrogant behavior. If I could ask a follow-up, Mina, and thank you for that. Are, are you saying that the reporting of the story, aside from this report we're talking about here in the New York Times from Jenny Vrentis, um, and the investigation of the NFL, and in, has been sanitized? Well, we have no details yet from the investigation, right, which is ongoing. I do think it has to wrap fairly soon, or if not, they have to find a way to keep Deshaun Watson off the field. But what I would say has been sanitized so far uh, is often the way we in the media discuss this story. You laid out the graphic details, which I appreciated, but we have been calling it inappropriate behavior or just simply misconduct, which I think inures people to the extremely awful details. Um, women become numbers, 22, 23, 24, and people forget that they're human beings, and hopefully this story will change that. Justin Tinsley. You know, even with these new details that have just come out in this new report, it doesn't shock me that an ugly situation somehow got even uglier. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think anybody looks to the NFL to be a moral compass on anything. They're going to they're always make the best decisions just based off their pockets, but over and over and over again, I've seen the NFL get the matters of human decency so wrong. We can just go back to CTE. We can go back to domestic violence, Kaepernick and social justice, blackhead coaches. But specifically you know, on this, though, Justin, yeah, but specifically on this. But like here, here's what I do think, though, Tony, like it, it reminds me of another controversy that the NFL, thankfully for them, Back in 2009 and 2010, society wasn't having these same type of conversations over sexual assault and rape, and that's Ben Roethlisberger. And there's a lot of similarities in this situation right here with Deshaun Watson, and I just don't understand how the Browns can have him on the field in week one. He can't play right this because this will be a this will this will be the only top topic that people talk about with the Browns all season, and despite his contract being fully guaranteed and. 
and then you add in the NDAs and the Houston Texans and this thing, this this thing just gets darker and uglier with each update. And this is just completely embarrassing and completely asinine to 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 ever expect that this will ever get swept under the rug by the guys of just week one opening week. Ben Roethlisberger was suspended a decade plus ago now. Uh, Pablo Torre, do you believe with this now report coming out that Watson is is headed towards a suspension here? He should be. And I think there is a common sense reiteration of basic facts here that is worthwhile because what have we learned now over months and months? Deshaun Watson has hired, he originally claimed he hired 40 or so massage therapists over five years. Now we have 66 over 17 months or so, right? Like what he tried to do was use these women, at least in part, some of them for sex and Rusty Harden, the attorney for Deshaun Watson, even came out on the radio this week and had to clean up the mess of him saying, you know, a happy ending is not necessarily illegal. And at this point, I just wonder why we are dancing around any of this. One of the women that Mina pointed out in Jenny Brentis's excellent reporting was someone who did not go to the police or file a lawsuit, but who said that Deshaun Watson begged her for oral sex, Tony. That's the woman that you referenced, but that's not the only quote that I remember. The quote I remember is, she was so baffled as to why he was so baldly insistent about this, she began to ask him questions like, what's it like being a celebrity? Why are you about to throw all of this away? Do you know that? And it's a pattern of behavior that is quite frankly, indefensible and kind of insane, if not just outright like, hey, this is extreme. And I think it should be categorized as such. Bob Ryan. We all know that if he didn't possess an extraordinary amount of talent, we wouldn't be having this conversation. That if this were subject of this uh, discussion were a backup offensive lineman, he would have been gone long ago. So start with that. My big interesting takeaway from what I read in the New York Times piece, which I did read, and I urge anyone with any remote interest in this, that means you people of Cleveland, to read this is the complicit behavior of the Texans. It's appalling what the Texans were doing to enable him to proceed in the manner in which he proceeded. This was something I didn't know about. I don't think any of us knew about. This is an appalling adjunct to this. It's a horrible, horrible story. And in a better world, the fans of Cleveland would already have bombarded the Browns saying, we don't want this guy. We're, we're embarrassed to have him on the field. We don't want to have to explain this to our kids. We don't want, well, we know we don't live in that world. This is absolutely an appalling story. And that'll be the last word. We'll take a break here. Buy or sell on the other side. Around the Horn is presented by Corona Extra. Find the fine life. Live la vida más fina. Part of happy hour. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, 
everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to Around the Horn, brought to you by Chase. Coming to you from the Seaport District at Pier 17. More names to the new golf tour. 12 hours from first ball of their first tournament. And they're big names. Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, Ricky Fowler, according to multiple reports. PGA has said, you know, or threatened at least, they would not allow their players to play on this tour. Could ban them. Whether legally they could do that was a question. Dustin Johnson, Kevin Na have rescinded their PGA membership. Whether Mickelson, who we saw for the first time in months yesterday, and DeChambeau and Reed and Fowler have is still being sorted out, but that's an implication. We have discussed the origins of this tour. Saudi Arabia funded amidst allegations of sport washing human rights violations now multiple times in the last couple of weeks. But about the PGA Tour, panelists have called it laughable that they would have any moral authority here. And the wonder is if this was just a tour of has-been and nobodies, but panelists said that yesterday. But, I mean, from a golf perspective, the number of names are growing. Pablo, how should the PGA Tour feel losing these names, and is it possible they're in trouble here? Yeah, they should be worried, and yes, it's very possible, Tony. I find myself asking a question about the PGA Tour that I asked myself about the NCAA. Like, so what do you guys really do here? Because we realize in the disentangling of all of these variables, and yes, real human rights violations are at the core of the story, to be sure, but in terms of the bureaucracy, like, what do you guys do? You don't run the majors, right? Those are open tournaments. You don't have the power to prevent guys like Phil Mickelson from playing at the U.S. Open, so... In terms of the stuff that the casual fan knows about, the biggest celebrities and the biggest name events, you don't really have the ability to control that. And so you're left doing, I think, what everybody else is doing, which is doing a very golf thing. You take a little bit of grass, throw it in the air. Which way is the wind blowing? How mad are we really about this? Is this a war? Metaphorically, we want to fight. And I think they have to figure that out pretty soon. Bob Ryan, you've covered the PGA, of course, for uh, such a hard, long part of your career. The position they're in right now with players leaving. They're just shocked because we have never encountered any opposition or any, any competition in America to the tour that we've come to know as the PGA Tour. And they don't know how to react to this. Uh, and, and they never give it any thought that there would any be any competition. If names such as Dustin Johnson if other and Bryson DeChambeau, if there's others of that level that, that defect, yeah, there's going to be a, a seismic change. I don't know that it's going to manifest itself necessarily, but if it does, they will. The thing about this story, though, let's never forget, if this were just another uh, corporate entity uh, 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 that were sponsoring this new thing, it would be interesting, but it wouldn't be such a moral dilemma. It's because it's who it is and the scope of the money they can provide, but mostly because of who it is that this is a story. And this is why it's suddenly it's a moral dilemma, not just a business dilemma. Well, I've had panelists, though, laugh at the idea that the PGA Tour would have moral authority, as we said before on previous yeah, discussions. Right. Mina, you want to weigh in here? Yeah, I mean, I think the PGA Tour should be as terrified as Phil Mickelson looked in that photo of him wearing a leather jacket that made the rounds yesterday because this is a huge threat to their existence. Pablo, you asked, what do they do? Well, the PGA Tour is a nonprofit. They were set up that way years ago, so they've been able to donate a lot of money to good. But what they can't do as a result is give guaranteed contracts to these golfers. And now you have a competitor coming in, handing out Mookie Betts money. It's a no-brainer for some of these guys, despite the moral issues that we've discussed. That's good information, Mina. And Justin Tinsley. 
Yeah, Bob mentioned it. For so long, the only thing we knew about professional golf was the PGA Tour. They had a monopoly on it. It wasn't a foolproof business model, but it was the only business model. But as of right now, they should absolutely be concerned. These guys that are going to, uh, uh, playing in the Live Tournament, they can still play in the U.S. Open and the British Open. Uh, so a lot of this leverage that the PGA Tour thought they have, they really don't have now. And uh, I want to read a quote from Patrick Cantlay. He he said, look, I'm curious, just as anybody else, just to see what goes on with this. And I'm interested to see what, what that product will, uh, will look like compared to what we have now. That sounds like a guy that's not taking that option off the table. Mm. Justin Tinsley, Bob Ryan, thank you for your time today. Mita Kimes, Pablo Torre. That will be the showdown. Pablo, hold up your sleeves just for a second. Are you cuffing your sleeves? Is it cuffing season oh, yeah. for Pablo Torre? It's only just begun. Always cuffing season. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Around the Horn is presented by Corona Extra. Find the fine life. Live la vida más fina. Part of happy hour. Mina and Pablo, good luck in showdown. Lightning four, Rangers won last night, so the series even at two. When you think of back-breaking goals, it's the goals at the very end of games, which happened to Tampa in game three, and the goals at the very beginning of eight games, which happened to Tampa in game four here, that really break a back. Ah. Pablo Torre, who has the advantage of this series now that it's 2-2? Two -two? The, the Rangers, Tony, because their back is unbroken, actually, because they're going back to Madison Square Garden where they're 8-1 and one in this playoffs. Like, they're fine. They got game seven at home if they need it. Oh. <laughs> no, it's the lightning. The stat for me that jumps out is that they had 57 giveaways in their first two games, 15 in the mm. last two, which means basically they're the lightning again, the team that won 10 straight playoff series. They have the championship caliber. Oh, the algorithm stat. In showdown doesn't happen often. Points, Mina. We'll move on. Angels losing streak now, 13 games. So firing Joe Madden before the game, it didn't really lead to that spark that they were hoping for, maybe. 13 straight losses now. Madden had said the day before he was fired that it's still early. Mina, is it still early? And are you all right with Madden's firing? Unfortunately, yes, this feels like a necessary sacrifice. No team ever has lost 12 straight games and made it to the playoffs. We know how desperate this Angels team is to get to the postseason with Mike Trout at age 30. Yeah, they've blown six saves, all that stuff. But the big picture here, Shohei Otani should feel like how Mina felt when Shohei Otani ended up going to the Angels because they are wasting Mike That's Trout. That's totally, totally unnecessary, Pablo Torre. Totally unnecessary. And accurate. Mina Kimes, FaceTime. 
Okay, so I recently went to my 15-year college reunion. So did Pablo, by the way. We are the same age. I am not much older than him. And I want to share the three <laughs> questions I got the most about working at ESPN. Number one, I think we all get this one. Do you know Stephen A. Smith? Yes. Number two, I love you on SportsCenter, a show that I'm on only in like a few minutes a week. Number three, how the heck does the scoring system work on Around the Horn? Luckily, I didn't reveal anything. You would agree it worked today, would you not? Would you not agree it worked today? We'll see you tomorrow. Humble brag. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.